Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Matt, Matt Largent, Largent Concert. Because if you're going to screw it up, screw it up with style. You've got to serve and serve first, and then you have to make that conscious decision to leave. Oh, if you have any problems, dial information. Thank you for calling. Hey, and welcome back. We are at the last episode of season two, and hard to believe we've gotten through uh, a couple of seasons already. Uh, this is this is wild. Like I said, you know, I, I when all of COVID happened and I wasn't able to go out and speak and teach uh, like I truly love to do, uh, I really wanted a format someplace and I could go share. Uh, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. Most of my speaking engagements were uh, discounted to 100% off or uh, even 90% off, uh, especially when it came to uh, young men, women, uh, going to high schools, going to uh, new leadership programs, charity organizations. Uh, it, it was just a passion of mine. It's not a job for certain. Uh, I don't think I've made uh, more than maybe a couple of thousand dollars a year in speaking engagements, it's just fun for me. Um, and so when I couldn't do it because, you know, everybody was canceling everything, uh, I really wanted to put something together that I could just get out there and, uh, podcast my, my youngest daughter was kind of interested in the idea of podcasts. And I said, well, I'll, I'll get some podcast equipment. You know, maybe we can both do podcasts. It'll be a way I can share. Um, and so bought this stuff actually probably a little over a year ago. Uh, and it took me, you know, I kept procrastinating. I was still doing some teaching via web and, and uh, video and, and just kept procrastinating. And finally, I realized that I was doing exactly some of the things that I talk about is planning and strategizing and never actually doing. And, and in many cases, that means that you run out of time. Uh, and so then you're just like, man, I wish I could had done this or I should have or I could have and I didn't because uh, I didn't have time or, or this happened or that. When the bottom line is we didn't do it because we were too busy planning and strategizing and thinking about it and never actually doing it. So, um, you know, towards the end of last year, I just said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to just do it. You know, I'm just going to plug it in and I'm going to just sit down. Uh, it helped a lot. My, uh, my kids and my wife got sat down and they made me this incredible studio, uh, out and away from everybody. Cause that was one of my, uh, you know, quote reasons why I couldn't do it. Uh, and so they, they made me a space where I could do it. And I was like, well, I need to learn all this software to, uh, edit it. And then finally I just said, you know what? I'm not going to edit it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to record what I have to say. And it, I may say the wrong thing. I may make a mistake. I may say something that's just crazy dumb. Um, but I, I hope that there are people out there listening. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll help me or they'll fix it or call me out or whatever the case may be. Uh, I, I hope that there are people out there that are going to do that for me. Uh, but either way, if I sit here and I try to do all of these little pieces that I was trying to do, I'm never going to get anywhere. So, um, uh, man, I just started recording and uploading, you know, it took me a while to figure out how to upload, it took me a while. And now here we are, you know, over 500 listens later, uh, 
the end of season two, uh, you know, at, at least 40, 50 dedicated listeners every single week. Uh, you know, when I'm late, like I am today, I get, I get some messages, uh, had some people reach out to me, had a 30 minute conversation with a guy, uh, out of Tulsa who, uh, had some great questions. We had some great discussion. I uh, felt like I was being interviewed. So hopefully I wasn't being interviewed. Uh, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, seeing that I have, you know, 5% of our listeners being in Germany, uh, in Hesse, which is really cool. It's like, they just keep listening and, and Man, it, it's been a wild ride. It's been a lot of fun just to have an opportunity to share, uh, to, you know, put this out there, to talk with people. Uh, you know, we had a pretty even spread across the age and sex group, and uh, now we're kind of getting a more dominant audience, and hopefully we'll continue to spread, uh, and just having fun with it. So I, I want to take a minute, you know, or five minutes at the beginning today, and I want to say thank you guys who have been, you know, good listeners for the whole time you know season one was a, a lot more kind of all over the place we had um just good shows talking about leadership and and whatever was uh strong in my mind and and just sharing it with you guys we had a, a few extra uh guest speakers and so we're going to get back to kind of more of that format starting this next season uh which literally will start in a week or two so uh, not going to take a, another month or so off. We'll we'll get right back into it because we want to get guests back on the show. And so you can really look forward to season three as we bring in um, authors, uh, as we bring in speakers, as we bring in uh, people of different faiths and, and ideals of servant leadership. Um, we've got plans to bring in uh men and women of different ethnicities and, and origins and different sexes and different uh, beliefs and ideals and talking about the struggles and the challenges that they face as servant leaders or as leaders in the workforce uh, and, and what that means and, and how it's affected them and how they've overcome uh, people who have brought servant leadership to uh, their workspace and their workspace was predominantly or is predominantly a traditional minded workspace and how do they incorporate servant leadership when their um their command or their their leadership is not a believer in it they're believer in the old-fashioned kind of authoritarian system so i've got a lot of really excited uh tony clyde sam mays uh tiffany davis tara levine we've got We've got some great people, uh, Dr. Michael Statton that will be on. We'll bring Gibson back on. We'll probably have Matt Rowe come back on, uh, Chris Morris. So we've got a ton of people that we are lining up uh, to get into season three. So we'll probably have just about every week or every other week, we'll have a guest either in studio or on the phone sharing with us uh, some of their insights, some of their uh, thoughts. We'll be asking some great questions and talking to them about how how uh, this has impacted them and how other people can make impact. So uh, really looking forward to season three, getting back into that and uh, doing some back and forth with some people. Um, 
which I really enjoy. So uh, if you are interested in being a guest, if you've got some leadership things or some experiences with leadership uh, that you want to talk about or you want to ask questions and you want to have a conversation, maybe you want to have a debate and discussion. Uh, maybe, you know, you want to talk about, well, it's easy for you to say, uh, which I think a lot of people get that feeling. It's easy for you to say because of this. Uh, it's easy for you to say because of that. Um, and I want to I want to address that head on because uh, a lot of times people do feel like, you know, well, yeah, that's easy to teach or easy to talk about. But putting it in practice is really hard. As a matter of fact, this last week I had an opportunity to teach uh, a program. And instead of teaching, I had them teach me. And so I gave them a lot of materials and information uh, and places to find information. And I said, you know, give me the 12 characteristics of servant leadership. Give me your definition of it, the principles of servant leadership, and then give me five challenges with modern servant leadership that you see and, and challenges that you have to overcome. And I got a list altogether of over a hundred different challenges uh, and some of them kind of mirror each other or play off of each other or very similar, but over a hundred different challenges that these leaders saw with serving and being a servant leader in the modern age. Uh, and so that was a lot of fun for them to have group discussions and talk about it. But going through the definitions was really powerful because they had some thoughts and some mindsets that even, you know, after being a, a student and a practicer of servant leadership for the last eight years or so, um, I, I never thought of it in that way. And that was really, really awesome uh, the, to get to sit and hear these leaders tell me things uh, as the teacher, tell me things that I was just kind of mind blown on uh, and, and just kind of like, ah, oh, that makes sense. Man, that really puts it into a new perspective or adds so much more value to the perspective uh, and really encourages that idea of servant leadership. And one of the biggest challenges that uh, we found was, you know, people would say it's, it's a soft leadership style. And so today when we're wrapping up and we're talking about these 12 different characteristics, you know, the idea was this season is we just want to have a baseline of what servant leadership is. We talked about it several times in season one. We even talked about some of the characteristics that I felt were so valuable that we've got to talk about them again and again and again, like listening, being such a valuable trait and a valuable skill that we don't actually uh, practice nearly enough it's a it's a you know a skill that you can lose it's it's a perishable skill and so if you don't practice it you lose it um, and so you know we talk about it over and over again but listening to these guys talk about some of these different pieces uh, you know one of the the leaders that was talking about listening uh, you know they talked about Covey, you know, and his quote about people listen to reply, which, you know, you know, so I'm, I'm sitting there like, yes, yes, these are these are things I've read. Awesome. They found this knowledge. And then they said, you know, things like, you know, people need to people listen to learn or need to listen to learn and not be polite. Like you're not being generous when you listen. It's not, hey, you know what? I'm going to listen to you. You're welcome. 
Um, and, and that kind of hit me in the gut. I'm not going to lie. That hit me hard in the gut. Cause I could probably name off a dozen times when somebody would be like, Hey, you know, can I talk to you? And I'm thinking to myself, I need to be a good servant leader and I need to listen, which means I need to put everything away. And so I would set everything away and say, you know what? I want to listen to you. And, and it was, I mean, it was nice, it was it was kind of some basics of it, but I was missing the part about listening to be curious about what they had to say, listening to be curious, listening to learn what they had to tell me and not just being I'm being polite or generous with my time. So that 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 hit me in the gut. Um, that was a really good one. Um, you know, empathy. Uh, one of the one of the leaders actually quoted me. Uh, and I had totally forgot about kind of this quote and discussion we had had in another program where I said, sympathy changes expectations out of pity. Sympathy changes the expectations out of pity. Empathy understands, but it doesn't change the expectations. And so that again, and they were quoting me. And so there are many times that I feel like we, we, Maybe we just need to listen to those that, I mean, I learned so much and they were supposed to be in a class where I was supposed to teach them, but I'm telling you, I have not taken uh, this many notes and you could probably hear my pages flipping in the background. I have not taken this many notes in years and I'm going through grad school and men's institute and all kinds of programs right now where I'm doing homework and all kinds of stuff. Um, this was, this was amazing. This was really cool. Uh, the guy that talked about healing talked a lot about self-healing. You know, he said you have to have an awakeness, like like that aha moment, like that, oh, my gosh, where you understand and you're aware. And then he said it requires strength on strength, strength to face that awareness that, oh, man, I need to do this or this is, I'm doing this wrong, or this is a challenge for me, and then strength to do something about it, because just facing it requires strength, but then doing something about it requires a whole different level of strength, uh, and so I really like that. He said it, it requires awakeness and then a strength on strength, um, and so that was a really cool one. Um, awareness, uh, you know, in the guy that taught about awareness, he said, uh, he found a quote that Greenleaf said, and Greenleaf said, we do not see the world around us. We see the world we want to see. Uh, and that really spoke to him because he felt like he had a good understanding of awareness and that it was just, you know, being aware of your surroundings, what's happening, what's going on around me. And so he had a very preconceived notion, he said. And so that became a belief and it became how we perceive ourselves. Um, is, is that, that was his belief on awareness. Um, and so he realized that awareness, when we have that preconceived notion, we see the world as we want to see it. We see it as it falls into that. Uh, and one of the things he said was you've got to practice mindfulness. And I loved that. I mean, super powerful, seek feedback, you know, understand that you're going to feel your feelings and that's okay. Know your strengths and understand your weaknesses. Keep an open mind, being naturally curious. And so they tied, and they all developed these definitions independently of each other, but they all very much tied in together. Being curious, being open, 
listening. You know, it's not that I'm being generous with my time to you. It's that I want to listen to learn. I'm curious about what you have to say. Um, and, and the guy that came up with persuasion that was talking about that, he, uh, he got me for a loop cause he said, I want you to come up here and I am a gym rat. And so if you're a gym rat, then, uh, you understand, you know, you kind of, you know, we, we're, we're rough. Uh, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you, and I'm going to push you past that table. And so he said, you know, brace yourself. I'm coming to push you. And so he started pushing on me, and, you know, and I'm like, flex, you know, because I'm a, I'm a big guy, 205, uh, you know. And so he's pushing, and I'm kind of pushing, uh, just kind of standing tall. And he was like, oh, okay, this isn't working. All right, come, come over on this side, and let's let's try something different. And so I followed him to the other side of the table. And then he looked at me, and he went, thank you. Uh, and I was like, damn it, Jedi mind trick. He pulled me off. It was, it's not about pushing people to where you want to go, want them to go, but getting them to believe and follow you to where that is, uh, belief in what we want to achieve. Uh, but we have to believe it first and foremost. If he had been like, man, I can't get you past that. Uh, but here, why don't you come with me past it? We'll go together. I would have been like, eh, he didn't. He had a firm belief that he had just said, Come on, let's go over here and we'll try that. And we'll try something different. And I was like, okay. I, he had no doubt that I was going to follow him, that I was going to fall for his Jedi mind trick. And having that firm belief in himself that he was going to be able to do that got me to go. Um, conceptualization, uh, you know, I had a, a young lady that had this one and she was she was strong in this. It was creating that visual for the end result, gathering ideas and optimizing a solution and then visualizing the problem in the solution. But it's the belief. Again, it goes back to that belief and creating a strong vision. You've got to have conceptualization requires that strategy and knowledge. Um, I loved the foresight, and again, we're just wrapping all of these up, and I, I figured why wrap why wrap it up with what you've heard from me? Let me wrap it up with what I learned from these guys. Um, foresight talked about understanding the past, act in the present for future achievement, and I thought that was a really kind of, and I summarized what they said. Uh, you know, they, they said we've got to understand the past and, and give some points in there, act in the present, and then it's for future achievement. I thought, well, that, that's a perfect statement right there. Understand the past, act in the present for future achievement. That was, that was powerful. Um, surround yourself with alternative insights to help you have checks and balances. Use your intuition in making decisions. Uh, start slow. Use validated feedback. Institution is forged in fire of experience and unintended consequences. I thought that was really strong. And then she gave us seven steps, you know, of ways that you can have for, foresight, you know, like I said, diversify intentionally, have different people around you. And one of the things that we talked about in the group incorporated into that was that if you're hanging out with people that are just like you, you're not diversifying. You're finding like-minded people so that they can validate what you want or what you're saying or what you're thinking instead of finding people that are going to give you different input, different ideas, and are going to debate and, and give you alternatives. Um, so if you're hanging out with your same friends from – 20 years ago that they're all stuck in the same place and they're happy about it. If that's where you want to be, that's where you're going to be. Hang out with them. But you want to hang out with, I always hang out with the smarter people 
or the stronger people or the prettier people because that's going to drive me to be stronger, faster, better, smarter. I have to be on my A game. You know, obviously you can tell just listening to the last 10 minutes of these things that I learned, like I had to bring my A game this day uh, or I looked like the novice. These guys had some incredible pieces. Um, Stewardship. um, I love the definition they came up, holding something in trust for others, uh, not being in charge, but being given the charge. And so you've got to do it for the why of your team that you serve instead of the why of you or those above you. Uh, Prepare those you serve to be better for themselves. Uh, Inspires trust and faith in your team members. And so understanding that stewardship is that responsibility that you've accepted, uh, that privilege that you've accepted of serving and leading people. Uh, So I thought that was great. Commitment to the growth of people, uh, believing your people have the intrinsic value beyond what they bring to the organization, beyond what they do for you, beyond what they do for your group or your organization. Um, you've got to believe that people have an intrinsic value. And if you believe that, if you see that and understand that, then you see that they need to be grown. They need to learn. They need to have that opportunity to keep going. And so you've got to have that commitment to them to understand that they have more value than what they bring to your organization or to your program or to whatever it is. Um, And they gave some key pieces there, like hire slow, find the right fit. Quit, quit just trying to hire because you're, you're short or quit trying to add people to your group because you need more people. Find the right people to join, you know, embrace diversity. And again, you see that, that over and over and over again, that, you know, find the people that are, uh, you know, bringing diversity into your organization, different thought processes, different ideas, different focuses, different personalities, different attitudes, different strengths, same values. You want to look for when you, they hire slow and find the right fit. You want to find a person that is, diverse in their ideals or the way that they come to a solution. We started this class um, the other day, and it was actually Thursday when I should have recorded that night. I should have recorded a show, uh, but these guys wore me out. So that's my excuse this week why I'm late, because these guys wore me out with all of this. But um, we talk about you know core values and vision. That doesn't necessarily mean that we've got the same personality, we've got the same characteristics, we've got the same styles or anything like that. And so you want to have people that have like or similar uh, values and that can buy in and believe in your vision, uh, but that they have different different personalities, different ideas, different focuses that they bring to the table so that you're not just having guest people working for you. Um, so. Really liked that. Uh, Expect, demonstrate, and encourage teamwork. Focus on relationships and help the team create a vision within uh, your vision. They've got to have that opportunity. Um, Several people talked about building community, uh, and they talked about the fact that it was almost it's it's almost like that final piece of building uh, a good servant leadership, being a good servant leader program. Uh, you know, it's a collection of individuals who have the same or similar interests, 
focus, goals, and work in unity to achieve together. I loved that definition. Uh, collection of individuals. So it's a group that have the same or similar interest, focus, goals, and work in unity to achieve them. They see a vision, a common vision together that they are dedicated to achieve, and, and they go after it together. It's that camaraderie of going after that. It's like when you have a common enemy, you band together and, you know, you're, you're talk trash about it. I mean, you look at any uh, sports team, whether that's high school or, or middle school or college or professional and the teammates on it, they have, you know, you may have a rivalry team and you have common interests. And so you're talking trash about them and you're working together. Cause you're like, we can't let them come into our house and be that's building camaraderie. And you can build that in any place that you serve, whether it's in a, a church or religion, whether it's in a charity, whether it's in a club or a program or whether it's at work, you can develop that style of camaraderie. If you give them a common goal, common idea, common focus that they all believe in and are excited to go after. Of course, we had calling where, you know, there's a lot and, and the guy that researched that God bless him. He, he said, you know, I had a lot of challenges in looking up calling because a lot of it goes back to religious context. Uh, and while, again, servant leadership is not a religious concept, um, some of the most powerful uh, servant leaders ever to walk have been religious people uh, and religious leaders. And so we find calling in a lot of religion and a lot of things like that. But it's it's. It's the kind of what we were just talking about, you know, when you're talking about these people that are in a sports team and they have camaraderie because they have a common foe or common enemy that they're going after. It's the exact same thing in calling is that it's that natural calling, that natural idea that I want to serve. And again, if you have that idea that you want to serve first, you have the opportunity to be a greater leader than anybody expected. You have natural talent if you've... If your natural desire is to serve and serve first, you've got natural talent in being a servant leader, but you have to have the discipline to put in the work. You have to have the discipline to put in the work. And many people who have natural talent don't have the discipline to put in the work. What they have is just a desire. There's a reason why 20% of people, they say 20% of people, of, of mankind, womankind, whatever you want to say, 20% of human beings are natural leaders. Or, or excuse me, are, are, can learn how to lead. 10% are natural leaders. 20% can learn how to lead. Boy, I almost went off the rails on there for a minute. Um are natural leaders. 20% can learn how to lead. And that's twice the ones that are natural leaders. And I honestly think that's because they develop the discipline to learn. And so just like if you have natural ability, but you develop the discipline to continue learning and to continue growing, then you have an incredible opportunity. Now, I am very fortunate and blessed. I was taught authoritarian leadership my whole career, my whole life. 
military, owning my own business, being in uh, leadership and management in, you know, the early 90s to, you know, and beyond. I actually didn't start developing servant leadership ideals until I was in the military as a leader. Uh, and I thought, I'm, I'm just not this guy. Like, sure, I can be, uh, I can be pretty hard, hard ass if I need to be, uh, but I'm not the one that's just going to do it in a, you know, dictator fashion. Like, I'm not going to tell you to do something I'm not willing to do. And so I did have some servant leadership leanings, but it was never that I had that desire to serve and serve first. And then I made the conscious decision to lead. I had to discipline myself to learn how to be a good servant. And I feel like I had a lot of great opportunities. And I've seen people that have a very natural ability to serve. And they are great at it. But they hit a plateau, a a space where they can't move beyond because they don't have the discipline to keep learning and growing themselves as servant leaders. So calling was a big one for me. Uh, nurturing the spirit and it goes back to that, that desire for people, just a desire, a drive that people have a need to contribute, to be part of something personally meaningful, something that connects their personal desires, their personal meaning endeavors to a bigger picture. They have to have personal fulfillment and growth it's critical for both the leader and the employee. And so being able to find that personal desire, understand it and connect it to your vision creates that nurturing of the spirit. So like I said, the 12 leadership, uh, the 12 servant leadership characteristics that we've been talking about for the last 12 weeks. Now um, we I was just fortunate enough that I put this class together just so I could 100% cheat and take all of these guys' idea. They were amazing leaders, 12 powerful leaders. Each one of them took one of these, and then they were discussing it with each other. I mean, it was a full experience, and it was really cool. And then they said, sent in all of these challenges to modern servant leadership, and we didn't even get a chance to get into that as much as we wanted to. Uh, and so I'm going to do that with another group this next week. So I'm really excited about that as well. But I have a list of over a hundred challenges that we are going to tackle and we're going to tackle one or two of those today. So when we talk about these 12 servant leadership characteristics, we have to understand there's some key pieces to this that don't make sense. Okay. Let's just, let's, let's call the elephant in the room, the elephant in the room, because it's, it's literally a paradoxical relationship. It is a, just a oxymoron because you really have to have two sides of what sounds like two different things. You have to be really well-planned. You know, you have to have good conceptualization and good, uh, foresight and good, uh, you know, action plans and strategies going in, but you have to be so well-planned that you can be spontaneous at a moment's notice that you can adapt and change a plan. Uh, you know, I love to tell people I have plans for plans for plans. But the reason why I have plans for plans for plans, because none of them will work. And so having those different plans gives me the opportunity that when the plan I'm implementing and I'm putting into place 
falls apart because they all will. I have pieces and parts and I've already got other ideas in my mind on how I can make those adjustments. And so I'm able to make quick, intuitive decisions that make sense because I've already made alternative plans so I can be spontaneous in changes because I've gotten so well planned. You have to be really, really great at what you do. Another paradox, another oxymoron. You have to be so great that you do it without pride. And so the whole idea of what I call my humble success program, a program that I go around and I do teaching and talking points on, is it's called humble success literally because of this, because you've got to be so good at what you do that you don't need to be proud of it. You don't need the recognition. When things go right, you give it to your team, to the people that you serve. When you credit your staff, you point to them and say, these these are the ones who made that happen. And when things go wrong, you don't point the blame. You own it. You accept it. You look at what you can do. If it was outside of you, then you find the root cause. You find the issue, the challenge, and then you fix it or get rid of it. And then you give your team the credit. But we are so great that our success comes with humility. We are so good at what we do that we don't need that that recognition our recognition is the success of our people the pride of our people the happiness of our people of those that we serve to get them further farther faster and better than we ever could be we've got to be right enough to be able to say that we are wrong in this oxymoron i got to explain because We make mistakes. We are human, and your team has to know that you're human. You can't own it, eat it, and sit on it and internalize it. Internalization leads to shame. Shame is a toxic emotion. Talked about that in season one. You can't take it and own it and be ashamed. What you have to do, what you need to do in owning it is saying, this is the behavior, the action, this is what was wrong, Maybe I did it, maybe we did it, maybe I made a bad decision, but it was the decision. It wasn't me as a person. I'm not a bad person. I was doing it with the best intention. I used my intuition and it was wrong. And you have to be able to say that you were wrong. It doesn't matter if you fail over and over and over again. Your team has to see how that mistakes are okay. We tell them all the time, it's good to fail. But then when we fail, we bury it, we hide it, or we internalize it, and they see that too. And a simple admission, a simple, guys, I screwed up. Yeah, this was a bad decision. That was a poor decision. I am not going to make, I'm going to make sure that decision doesn't happen again. It was not the right decision. Here's what we're going to, I'm sorry for that. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. You are not unfollowable. You are not infallible. Whatever that is. Let your team know that you are not, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. But you are committed to gaining solutions. You've got to understand that there's nothing wrong with saying, I was wrong. I'm sorry. 
You, I mean, you've got to be able to even say, if you don't know, you can't BS your way through it. You can't BS your way through leadership. And this is where we see a lot of leaders, they don't want to say, I don't know. And so they BS their way through it. And the problem with BS is it's a lie. And for you to maintain a lie, you have to keep up the lie. And so you may have made a silly decision based on something you had no idea instead of saying, I don't know, give me a minute, let me find out and find out quickly, but don't mislead them. Don't lead them down a straight path because you're both going down it at that point. And when it finally comes out that it was wrong and you were unable to say that you were wrong and then you're internalizing it and you're feeling shame and they have no trust in you anymore. This servant leadership, just in the definition of it, is an oxymoron. The most, the biggest oxymoron, the biggest misconception that I hear time and time again is servant leadership is soft. You give, you have to give in and you have to, you're, you're only taking care of them. That is by far and away the biggest misconception and all it tells me is that there's two things to that one it tells me that you don't understand servant leadership you're you're just taking the glossy surface of it and going or you're just lazy it's easier for me to be authoritarian it's hard for me to be strong and compassionate and empathetic and healing and listening it's easier for me to strategize and be an authoritarian being a dictator and tell him just do this or do it myself than it is for me to try and lead others to become better you can't be soft in servant leadership you can't be i have never been accused of being soft not once in my entire leadership life I have been accused many, many, many times of being too hard, too strong, too forceful, too direct, too open, too honest, too straightforward. Man, I could do this all day because I've been hearing that for 30 years. Being in the military didn't change that. Coming out of the military didn't change that. Becoming a servant leader didn't change that because You've got to be compassionate enough to set discipline, to hold accountability and standards, and you can't let those drop. Good servant leaders are accountable and disciplined. And and people who say servant leadership is soft, and I'm like, do you even understand servant leadership? Because one of the best documented cases of servant leadership, whether you're looking at Jesus Christ, which is one of the best documented, uh, Lao Tzu, uh, Sharnaka, whoever you're looking at, Gandhi, all of these servant leaders, not one of them were considered soft. Sharnaka had a book that said, rule the world the way I did. They were dictators. They were rulers but they were servant leaders because they set discipline. They thought of their team. They were empathetic. They were healing. They were strong. They listened to the needs of their people, but they also knew that there were times when they knew best. If you're a parent and you convince your kids to eat their vegetables or to do their homework, or you have to paddle their behinds, or you have to discipline them by grounding them and taking things away, 
that's not soft, but it's still servant leadership because you're doing it for their best interests. Many times the people we serve may not understand the, the things that we've learned. We're in a position of leadership, hopefully, because we have experience. And experience teaches us ways to do things or helps us to avoid just like hopefully you had a mentor or a parent or somebody who raised you that had experience in life and they were exchanging that experience with you so that you would be able to hopefully not make the same mistakes they did. You have to hold your people accountable. You have to set discipline. Their actions, the responsibilities, the deliverables, the things that they have to do, you have to hold them accountable and you have to have discipline. So if you're thinking servant leadership is soft, then you need to go read Autry, A-U-T-R-Y, one of the leading writers on servant leadership, and he talks about uh, performance plans, leading teams to high expectations. He gives example after example of holding your staff accountable, Not, not being soft and just letting them do whatever they want. And sometimes there's staff that there's just simply no options. They they need to be, as this group talked about the other day on Thursday, they, they literally said, um, you know, sometimes you have to prune a dead limb. Sometimes you have to uh, cut out a dead piece so that you can plant better seed. Sometimes servant leadership isn't for everyone. Sometimes you may have somebody who is the wrong hire or the wrong person to join that organization. They don't have like interests. They don't have like values. They don't have like goals. They don't care about your vision. So it's not, no matter how well you serve them, they're going to take and try to get away. It doesn't mean that we're soft on them. That means that that's the one that we have to cut for our others. For those that we are serving, you must be committed to helping them find a better role. You've got to help them to become better servant leaders. And if somebody isn't doesn't want to be, they don't have like values, shared interests, a shared common vision with you and your organization, then it's time for them to go. Free up their future. Because maybe this isn't it. Maybe this isn't where they find great servant leadership. Maybe they need someplace else. Maybe they have a drive and desire that their vision, their values align better with the business down the street or with the organization down the street. Let them go down there. They're not going to go down there on their own. People get comfortable. People get complacent. They get excited about being in one spot, and so they just stay there. So it's up to us as good servant leaders to help free up their future so that they can go down the street, find that place where they're going to be able to learn to be a great servant leader uh, the way that they need to do it, and it's obviously not with us. Servant leadership isn't soft. Servant leadership is the hardest that there is because you're doing it in their best interest and it may hurt you, but you have to do it for them. You have to hold them accountable. We, I talk with my team all the time. I run, I have three district managers and 16 branch managers that I work with on a, on a regular basis. And every one of them through COVID, through short staff, through people uh, unable or unwilling to work, whatever the case may be, standards don't drop. 
We don't lower our standards. We raise our standards consistently, smoothly, regularly. We drive forward because the minute we lower standards, we give in. We start lowering our expectations, our ideals of our vision. You know, instead of trying to get to the streets made of gold, we're like, eh, the streets made of gold are a little difficult right now. We, we've got this issue and that issue. So we're going to go for the streets of bronze. Maybe we'll go for some streets of copper or, uh, you know, maybe quartz. Quartz is nice, right? There's more of it. It's a little easier for us to get. Probably not nowadays, but, you know, we can get some. You've got to keep your standards, and that means holding your team accountable, being strong, being disciplined, and excited for them. Don't let anybody tell you servant leadership is easy or soft. If somebody tells you that, they don't understand it. Go study on your own. I'll tell you the same thing. I tell all of my kids. I have five kids. Every one of them, I told them, don't you, you don't buy into what I tell you. You don't buy into what your teachers tell you or what the other kids tell you or anybody else until you go form your own opinion. You go do your research. You go find information sources and read on it and study it. And if you want to come with an opinion, you better bring it with all the information and facts. And I have... All five of my kids have very different opinions on all sorts of things than me, but every single one of them is a servant leader and believes in servant leadership. Naturally. And now it's my job to teach them to be disciplined to keep growing forward. Servant leadership isn't soft. Servant leadership is a great oxymoron. It is one of the most difficult, challenging, hardest and direct forms of leadership there is out there. And it's not for everybody. Hopefully, we'll all grow from it and be better for it as we continue to learn and grow about it. Over the next season, like I said, we have a lot of guests that we have coming, and we're going to be sitting and going through these challenges of modern servant leadership, and I'm going to try and address over a 100 of these. We may group a couple of them together, uh, but we're going to try and address all of these different challenges to modern servant leadership. If you hear or think of a challenge to modern servant leadership and you wanted to get into the show, you can email me at matt.largent at matt largent concert all one word.com so matt dot largent m-a-t-t dot largent l-a-r-g-e-n-t at matt largent concert.com so uh, you can go to matt largent concert.com and you can find a link there you are 100 welcome to find me on social media linkedin tiktok uh instagram facebook and you can message me on there uh several people who've messaged me have had back and forth conversations verbally and over the phone uh, i got four people in a mentorship program that i'm having a great time with as well guys i just want to serve and learn and i want to learn from you just as much as uh hopefully you want to learn from me so reach out to me and continue to be a part of the show i'm looking forward to continuing on uh, and having a bunch of guests, especially as we get into uh, June and July. i got a bunch of guests June and July. Um, I think I've got them scheduled out about six weeks into mid-July now, starting at the beginning of June. So really excited about that. Uh, please 
message me if you want to be on the show or if you've got certain things that you want me to talk about. Other than that, guys, thanks for being uh, a part of the show. Thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, letting me get two seasons in without having to learn how to edit yet. So pretty excited about that. Thanks a lot, guys.